What's up, world? Welcome to the Positive Truth, uplifting and positive news for a more progressive society. Tim, what are we trying to break? <laughs> yeah, the positive truth. We try to bring awareness, empowerment, inspiration, optimism, and understanding to communities everywhere. Hell of an interview. Can you start off by telling everyone who you are and your background? Yeah, so I'm Stevie Johnson. Uh, I'm an educator, scholar, DJ, activist. I'm in Oklahoma City area. I've been uh, here for over 10 years now. I'm originally from Longview, Texas. Proud of it. It's about two hours east of Dallas. Um, and I graduated from high school 2007, came here, um, started my bachelor's degree at the University of Oklahoma, went to my master's program there, um, started working at the University of Central Oklahoma. Um, yeah, uh, go Broncos. Um, so I've been there for five years now, which is crazy. Um, currently the assistant director in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. Um, and now in my last year, praise God, uh, in my doctoral program at the University of Oklahoma. So that's a little bit about me. Again, DJ for over 10 years now. Tim, we both graduated in 2007. Have we done that much? <laughs> Man. <laughs> hey, so what does the, uh, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion uh, do at the university? Yeah, so it's essentially a safe and transparent space for uh, students of color, um, underrepresented students. Um, and we essentially provide um, diversity education as well as retention resources for students. Um, so we pride ourselves on producing culturally competent students who not only know about their culture and history, but also the cultures around them. We understand that um, a lot of employers are excited about, yeah, we have these students who are getting these 3.0s, 4.0 GPAs, but a lot of them are really wanting to focus on individuals who bring certain skill sets and experiences um, to their companies. And so we, in our office, provide those opportunities and services for those students. It's amazing. Um, Can I shout out the ODI for yeah, a minute? Go ahead, go ahead. So the first time I graduated college was the semester before you came. So... Yeah, it was Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay's last semester was the semester I graduated the first time. Okay. So when I first went to UCO, it was 2010. There was nobody from the South Side up there. So. <laughs> right now. I, I already know. I like, nobody. Know. Everybody was OCCC. Nobody. And so I didn't know about the DOD. I didn't know anything. I was just going to class, driving up there, and going home. Right. And then Lindsay was like, she saw me, and I don't know. She was just like, you should go over here. <laughs> and the ODI is like, Tucked in a corner. That's where they put the black people at. <laughs> you can say that loud. <laughs> That's where they put the black people at. Southside problems for real. And so when I went in there, it was just like, that's where I met everyone at UCO. Mm -hmm. Like, all the like community stuff we did, all the BSA people, yep. went to the Diversity Leadership Institute. Yeah. Which I go to you? Went Memphis. to Memphis. Memphis, okay. okay. And like, so everyone I met at UCO, everyone positive that influenced me like outside of it all was from because of the ODI yeah. and one of the reasons like when I got out I wanted to help with income inequality mm -hmm. it doesn't pay very well that's why I'm going back but everyone that I met that went through the ODI went through all that did all the leadership it's just it helps us out it helped everyone out so much and helped us build so much connection yeah, it's a small office we have 
four full-time people. We got a couple graduate students um, in our office, but man, we put over 100 programs a year. Uh, we have eight different student organizations in our office. Um, always working. Yeah, always working. I mean, everyone's like, hey, it's the summer, like, y'all, y'all, you know, y'all. No, <laughs> no. It's always work to be done, and we're recruiting students, we're creating these pipelines, we're trying to eradicate these school-to-prison pipelines. My work in particular works on diversity retention, so we have three initial programs in our office, Black Male Initiative, Hispanic Success, and Native American Success Initiative. So we're intentionally targeting students who haven't had you know, opportunities or access as well compared to other individuals um, to help with their persistence to um, getting through college. So it's amazing. Yeah, so we're we're doing the damn thing. That's, that's so what's up. that's what's up. When, before I left, the first time I graduated, there wasn't a black male initiative. Yeah. And I saw on the website on University of Central Oklahoma, like y'all, all the black males were done <laughs> after like one year. Yep. And me being there, I can say that's the truth because everyone that made it to like juniors, we all knew we were going to graduate. Right. We were determined. We all stuck together. I knew like everybody. Right. Yeah. I, I came in 2013, and um, Ishan Conley, who's my supervisor and director of the office, they'd already had in their mind that they wanted to have a black ministry program before I got there. And so they hired me, and it was like, okay, you want a black ministry program? Good luck. So <laughs> I started you know, researching some ideas, and me and her collaborated, and we've, we've, I mean, we're in our fifth year now. I mean, retention rates have increased by, like, 20, 25%. That's awesome. Um, we were getting national awards. We went out to La Jolla, California with our president, the um, American Association of State Colleges and Universities. It's this conglomerate of um, presidents and chancellors from across the nation, and we received the award for um, student success and college completion. First um, institution program in the state of Oklahoma to achieve that. So. We're definitely doing some great things and, and hoping to expand upon not only black male initiative programs but the other initiative programs we got in the office. So. Absolutely. So, what is it? What does the black male initiative program do that wasn't there before you got there? Yeah. So it's a retention initiative. Um, I think the, the rates were that before we had the program, about 50% of black males were coming weren't coming back after their first year, and so we designed some curricular and co-curricular experiences for the students um, to stay connected on campus. So all the black males in the program take the freshman seminar course at Test Central, which is taught by me, um, our vice president of student affairs, who is a black male, and then a faculty member in the college of education who is also a black male. And that's the opportunity where all these black men are taking the class together, which most of the time, as you know, you're probably the only black face, black male face in your class majority of the time. So yes. The, <laughs> so the impact of just being in that environment where we can just kind of really have some very blunt, transparent conversations about how we navigate this white, predominantly white institution, historically white institution, um, such as UCO, and we provide them with resources, get them connected with financial aid, academic advisement, housing, student organizations. Um, we provide tuition waivers for students, so if they achieve 2.5 or above GPA, we provide them with a tuition waiver. Um, then we do some more co-curricular experiences. We've been to Memphis, Tennessee. We're actually planning a, a huge trip this year um, during fall break um, to Little Rock, Arkansas, um, Little Rock 9, heading to Memphis, Civil Rights Museum, going down to Montgomery, Alabama, which now has the 
um, Lynching Memorial and then heading to Selma, which is kind of like 45 minutes to an hour and then coming back. Um, but we're trying to provide those. That is awesome. Yeah, we're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to provide those um, out of class you know, experiences for them to see themselves. A lot of them haven't been outside of Oklahoma or the east side of Oklahoma City nice. or Edmond. So to be able to engage and have conversations in other states and know about their, their history, um, where they come from, who they are, and also understand that they have a responsibility as students being on this campus um, to give back uh, to the people who, you know, pray for them, who sweat, blood, tears provided for them. So, um, yeah, we, we, we do a lot of, a lot of different That's things. That's amazing. It's an amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing resource to have. Right. Guys are, man. Yeah. Gosh. I can imagine having anything like this whenever we were in high school. I <laughs> signed up, graduated college, been doing great. <laughs> But it's working because there's a kid in my last semester who was the only other black kid in our class, mm -hmm. but he had been a part of it. Okay. And his name was Travis. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was like, what's it's up? It's crazy. We're referring to him by first name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember Travis. Yeah. And so, like, he was up there. He's like, what's up, JP? Like, it was just like, he was, like, determined. He was like, yeah, I know, Steve, I know this. We do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Like, yeah. all the black males. He was part of the Black Male Summit. You wanted to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, we can talk about that. I mean, that's a that's a huge component of the community work. Like, UCO prides themselves on being the Metropolitan University. I'm like, okay, cool. So how do we take that mission, that obje these objectives of the institution, and provide this opportunity for Black males? So it, the Black Male Summit is um, a one-day conference. We specifically target um, students who come from um, – predominantly urban areas. So we, we target the East Side schools, Oklahoma City Public Schools, Middale area, Putnam City, um, Lawton Schools. We targeted Tulsa. Uh, we, we roughly have around 500 students who attend. Um, and we have conversations on a lot of different topics from social justice issues to the importance of voting, uh, black male masculinity, hip hop education, financial literacy. Our huge sponsor is uh, True Sky Credit Union. Shout out to Shana Lewis and the great work she's doing over there. Um, but it takes about nine months to plan. Uh, we have a Black Male Summit Committee, not only faculty, staff, administrators, but also uh, individuals who are doing work in the community. So we have Representative George Young uh, on our committee. Um, in the past, we've had representatives from um, the Oklahoma Regional Food Bank, John Bob Simple, um, Daryl Davis, who's a council member in, in Edmond, Oklahoma City uh, Security Commission, Richard McPherson. We've had a, a state rep from the um, state regent's office, uh, Dr. Kermit McMurray, who's retiring. Um, so we intentionally plan and target those individuals, which majority of the students in my black ministry program help um, facilitate those conversations. So we literally go to each high school, um, Donovan Kuzan, Jordan Bowles, Jalen Thomas, a couple of my students, we go to those, as well as um, Latasha Giddings, who works in the admissions. They go to the high schools and talk to the kids and provide them with the expectations of what they plan to, ex you know, to get out of that that one day conference. And so, we provide over four thousand dollars in scholarships each year. Um, uh, Perry Publishing Broadcasting is a sponsor. I mentioned True Sky, our admissions office, um, as well as our. Tim, it's real. Yeah, I'm, 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 as well as the Afro-American Faculty Staff Association. So 
Well, so, yeah. Hold <laughs> up. So you go into the schools we and go you convince to, the kids to come, right? So we, we talk to the principals, counselors, and parents, and they, as a school, uh, we give out a certain amount of spots for each school. So we may go to Douglas and say, hey, you have 20 spots. John Marsh, you have 15. Putnam City West, you have 15. And the parents, the counselors, the teachers, they pick the students, and then we say, hey, we're going to come out on this day talk to the students, let them know who we are, what we represent, if they have any questions, and we just get them excited. We provide transportation for the students. So, you know, Oklahoma City Public Schools, you know, budget cuts have gone down. They don't have as many buses or people to, to, to drive buses. So we provide charter buses for the high schools to attend. Um, some, uh, most of the time we have students who say, hey, I don't have, you know, a suit or a shirt or a tie. So we try to provide those know materials to students um, so yeah it's a really dope experience we did a call for proposal this year uh, in the past we've selected the people to, to speak but we were like man we really want to get some more community involvement and so we did a call for proposal and we had over like 25 submissions um, which was really dope and just had just a, a conglomerate plethora of individuals who talked about various different topics um, which was really dope so we have keynote speakers who come out, um, Lawrence Ware from Oklahoma State University um, has spoke, um, Dr. Terrell Strayhorn who's a dynamic keynote speaker, as well as uh, Dr. Christopher Emden uh, who does hip hop education, he's at Teacher College um, at Columbia University. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a really dope environment, man, and I'll leave y'all with, with one story. The first year we did it, man, I was so nervous. Like, <laughs> man it's just i mean when you're doing something that on a is, limited is, budget on, a limited, on your first time yeah when they're trusting you exactly so they're looking at me like okay you're the black male on campus like we need you to, to make this work and so um we just got done with breakout sessions and then we came back to lunch and one of the keynotes uh, one of the breakout session speakers came up to me and was like yo like you know this is history right and i was like like, I don't have time for this. Like, I need to do something. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, like, I really want you to, like, like, take a moment. Like, this is the first time where we got, the first year we had 300 students. Like, this is the first time we had 300 students, black males, like, diving into conversation that is not about, you know, athletics or, you know, entertainment. And, like, for me, like. Or people telling them how they're failing. Exactly. Exactly. It was very, it was a anti-deficit type of model framework that we were working from and so for him to come up to me and say that it was like man I, I really understood like my purpose like the reason why I'm here a lot of times when you're you don't have too many faculty staff of color on campus uh, you can get really discouraged like man like I'm, like what am what is what am I here for what is my purpose but that was a, a very pivotal moment and really changing my psyche of you know why I'm here that's what's so, so to give you everyone that's listening <laughs> an idea of the sessions, so like the value of a dollar, effective teaching in a global mindset. What is black boy joy? Like good kid in Mad City, an illmatic guy to discuss hip hop and mental health, not an object. Which is actually a student in, in my program who did that presentation. These are just a few of them. Like, <laughs> hashtag not an object, counteracting the sexualization of women using social media. To be young, gifted, and black in the classroom. Are we still slaves in examination of history and reincarnation of slavery in the United States? That's just some of them. Yeah. 
Yo, I know people that have been to this and they come out with a new mindset every time. Yeah. That's all they want to talk about. Yeah. And I, again, I'm talking about Tim, this. Tim, man, we got to do this, man. <laughs> yeah, for Absolutely. sure, for sure. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is, again, creating this pipeline. So we're in our going into our fifth year of the summit and we've seen students who are in their eighth grade, ninth grade year and either are a senior now or have graduated and we're providing them with information about Oklahoma Promise. Um, importance of applying and getting that um, that free tuition but now you see them like making the decision and they're saying hey I know I'm going to be supported at UCO because we have this black initial program these are the great things that they're seeing so even our recruitment efforts have have, have drastically increased in regards to this uh, initial program absolutely awesome man yeah. appreciate that appreciate that so Let's change the tune. You want to sure. talk about the sp space program and its goals? Just what is the space program? Yeah, I was about to ask. I'm real <laughs> excited for this question. I really want to know. Well, I think I can, I can talk about uh, how it came about, okay. uh, and then I can go into it. So, as I mentioned, I've been a DJ for over 10 years. I started in undergrad, and uh, when I finished, when I was in my last semester of my master's program, I applied for the time the coordinator in office race inclusion so Lindsay's position and I remember a couple of students we had a student interview and so when I was in the interview I, I remember like some familiar faces of parties that I DJ where the students were there and so for me at that point I was like man I gotta like separate myself from as a DJ I got to DJ over here, and then I gotta be this educator. Why did you feel that? Because I, I felt, it, and I think it was just like the, the colonization of like, hey, you have to be a certain person um, at certain times. Like you have to separate yourself from business and pleasure, stuff like that. And so um, I struggled with that. So I, I, I would turn down gigs. I was like, hey, I, I need to focus on, on work, um, you know, building you know, this program. My reputation in higher education and so the black man initial program really changed my mindset so a lot of people think like as an educator you're you're pouring into students but people don't really see the reciprocation of that relationship because they were pouring into me and so we'd have conversations in the success central class and students were just like man like it's it's really dope how you're connecting certain topics with like who you are as a, as a dj as a hip-hop head and I would have, you know, conversations with students and they're like, man, we just really want you to just be your authentic self. Like, yeah, we understand you're a DJ, but like, that was, that's what makes you special. And literally my students were my motivation, um, not only just to be myself, but as I started looking into doctoral programs and things I wanted to research, um, they were the, the, the biggest reason why I did certain things. They were the reason why I decided to do a TED Talk at UCO, uh, where I talked about, you know, passion versus purpose and trying to bridge those two things together. It's pretty dope. And so um, when I went into my, my doctoral program, I knew I wanted to do something around hip hop, education, pedagogy, uh, but I just really couldn't find um, theoretical frameworks or methodologies that really fit you know, who I am as a person. And so I started making connections with individuals who were doing hip hop education, so Chris Emden, Tina Love and Amaya Washington and other people. And uh, they pretty much said like, hey, like you can do this work and 
can make it your own. And one particular scholar, Gloria Lassen Billings, talks about redefining or reimagining what how we can mobilize hip hop education. And so I, like I said, I've been DJing for 10 years, but I started teaching myself how to produce. And I didn't know why I was making beats, but I was just, I just kept doing it. It's kind of like a spider web, like when you see a spider, like, man, I don't know what they're making, but you know something's gonna come out of it at the end. And that's what happened. So I started reading and continued reading. And I came to a point where like, man, I didn't want to use these westernized, white, conservative, objectification um, type of methodologies uh, for my research. And I wanted to make it something that is, provides the elements of hip hop, its true essence. And I said, man, I wanted my research to be outside of the academy. I wanted to be something that, you know, brought communities together and something that I can own and not something institution feels like that they own me. And so I was like, man, I want to create a, a hip hop album as my research. And even, and this is before um, this cat, his name is uh, A.D. Carson. And uh, at the time, Clemson, he came out with uh, his uh, hip hop album as a dissertation. And so it was like, yo, like, <laughs> it's like when you see like somebody about to drop an album and you didn't hear about it, it's like, yo, like this is the blueprint. And so when I saw what he was doing, I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so that's what the space program is. So this, that's what the space program. So literally, essentially, I created um, this idea of having conversations, black males who attend predominantly white institutions who have either graduated, um, attended and stopped out or current students. And we talked about, you know, how does hip hop shape, you know, our experiences as black men at, at these institutions. And uh, individuals, the criteria was, you know, had to identify as, you know, an artist, a producer, poet, poet yeah, an activist, hip hop head, you know, whatever. And so we had conversations about, you know, what those experiences are like being on campus. And a lot of different things came out of that from, you know, just not knowing or not being prepared academically or socially um, in regards to these institutions or financial literacy and not knowing about interest rates and FAFSA or families having expectations of, hey, like you're going to college, you made it, but they don't know like the intricate, like day-to-day -day struggles students have or um, mental health issues and just being vulnerable. Like that was a, a space where we all came together and we just laid it out, laid it down all on the table. And uh, from there, we was like, okay, these are the, the particular things that came out came out of the project. So let's let's listen to some beats. So we actually had listening sessions where um, I had a couple beats and some other producers we listened to them. Everybody picked, you know, which ones they liked. And then I was like, okay, a week later, I need all my individuals who want to to spit, hook in a verse. They came back the week later, and we listened to each beat. They would spit. We would figure out, you know, okay. You're talking about this, you're talking about this, maybe on different beats, we'll just put y'all together. Um, and then we did that process, and then we went into the studio and laid it out like in five hours. Um, so this was like. Link a, below, by the way. <laughs> Link is in the description. Yeah, yeah. So it was, I mean, it was very fast paced. It was uh, probably a month 
and we completed everything, um, which was just a pilot study. So the dissertation is going to do an actual full blown out album, and it's got some different details that we're going to focus on, uh, which we can talk about. Yes, but, um, yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the space program in itself, the name didn't come about until after we listened to the entire project. Um, and one of the individuals, uh, Tommy Ray Long, was like, man, we should, Tommy Ray and Carl Paxson, like, man, we were listening, we're talking about like the Tribe Crawl Quest, and it's uh, on their, off their new album, it's a track called Space Program, and it says, ain't no space program for niggas. And essentially, the space program is this collective, this black male collective that's saying like, despite the different institutional, environmental, educational, social barriers that we face, we're creating a space program for ourselves to not only survive, but thrive and navigate, you know, these white spaces that historically weren't designed for us. Um, and so again, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the name of how, you know, how it came about. And essentially we're just trying to, as we're moving to the dissertation, we're moving not only just looking at these white spaces, but now we're looking at like, how can we liberate not only ourselves, but liberate our people. So I think the project pilot study was good, but I think it I think it provided a narrow lens into like the actual lives that we live day to day. You know, a lot of people out here, for example, like J. Cole, they're like, man, like J. Cole done fell off, like he's not the same as, you know, Friday Night Lights or Forest Hill Drive. But I think the beauty of J. Cole is that J. Cole is not limiting himself to one particular lens. He's providing different stories. Um, and that's the whole idea of this dissertation. It's like, what are, what are our understandings? Of how do we make meaning of, of freedom? Does it exist? Um, do we believe we can attain it? And if so, how can we do that through a hip hop album as the medium? And so this book, Freedom as um, Maroonish, talks about the Haitian Revolution and how literally this whole idea of the process of flight so the, the process of becoming free. Um, and so it talks about potentiality versus actuality. And so we have so much potential as black men, how do we actualize it in the process of becoming free? And so the, the problem in that is that when we try to reimagine what a world would look like without violence um, or you know, dehumanization of black bodies, um, especially as kids, like we don't, as men, we're not seen as kids, we're seen as you know, adults. Violent criminals. Exactly, you think about Tamir Rice and a 12-year-old kid, like he, he wasn't seen as you know, a 12-year-old kid. I mean, I think even the, the person who called in is like, this is 20-year-old male, like he's 12 years old. Um, and so the, the problem statement that I'm having in my dissertation is that you know, we haven't been allowed to reimagine what a world would look like uh, without us being killed or not being seen as hyper-masculine or athletic, you know, things violent. Like violent, exactly. And so, can we can we reimagine it? Can we reimagine a world where we are, you know, thriving, succeeding? So, I'm using a lot of this this whole idea of process of flight, Afrofuturism, um, various new different ideas of looking at it from a black cultural lens and not, you know, limiting myself with, you know, methodologies and theoretical frameworks that have been historically used in education. 
So I'm going to ask you a question that we both have the same answer for, but I feel like it has to be asked. When most people think about rap music, yep. they think about violence, misogyny, all the negative connotations from it. Right. And you're making a rap dissertation. Mm -hmm. So people that don't like rap music would just say to you, well, listen, like, if you want to break this bond, you need to stop making music like this if you don't want to be seen as violent. What do you say to that? I say that's very naive. I think um, even, and I, and I can even attest to the whole violence, misogyny. When you think of oppressed people and how hip hop originated, it came out of a time where black and brown people were losing jobs. Um, it was becoming more service industry no one was, they were cutting down these plants. You know, people were losing their jobs, their livelihood. So people are angry. Combined with the war on drugs. Exactly. And so, yes, hip hop is misogynistic. Yes, it's, it's sexist. But when I'm talking about freedom, you can't talk about freedom without talking about how people have been oppressed. Like, that's a part of it. So if, if my objective is to free someone, liberate their minds, and part of that is the misogyny or things of that nature that comes with it, that's that's okay with me. That's a part of the process. Um, but that's not to say that we'll, as a collective, we won't have a conversation about like, how can we, you know. Be better. Yeah, be better. Like, so um, I think for me, yeah, it's just a, the idea of just being naive and not really understanding people also related to like education as teachers when, when you hear a student beating on a desk they see that as a distraction but it's really them connecting to like their cultural values and people are not really tapping into the true essence of that student and so when people are not really trying to listen to what people have to say um, then that's a problem um, but the other part of that is that I'm not doing it for the majority of people on this, on this, on this, in this world, I'm doing it for black people that uh, are oppressed. That are oppressed. And most of the music that you hear that you claim is violent and all that is not for black people. Exactly. So it's kind of one of those like fu type of things. Like I'm, I'm not really, I don't. And I think that's the growth that I've had in these past couple of years. It's just I'm not here to be politically correct correct respectability politics is out the door like i'm here to provide an opportunity space to liberate myself my people um because most people say like as black people being pessimistic like it is not it's not attainable but if we continue to sit in that space of like always like talking about white supremacy and, and white fragility and all those things and and always being reactive when something happens, like we will never get anywhere. So me trying to look from an Afrofuturistic perspective, it's like, how can I create a counter narrative to where we can see ourselves differently uh, in society? That's dope, man. That's a crazy mindset to have. <laughs> <laughs> I think the hard part has just been trying to write it. Like it's, it's, it's new, it's fresh, you're, I mean, you have a committee. You're always wondering, like, you know, how should I say it? But um, I'm just, I'm just excited about the opportunity. Again, it's something that's 
never really been done before. I think the difference between me and uh, A.D. Carson is his was focused on his particular experiences at the institution that he was at. And I'm tapping in into actual you know, students. We're creating this album together. Like everything is from, you know, producers, from artists, from poets, to videographers, to um, photographers, to... They're trying to tell the truth and not trying to make money. Yes. We're, we're not trying to limit on what their freedom looks like. Uh, and so it's, it's going to be a dope project, man. And, I mean, we've had some, some great success. I mean, we went to New York and we presented. And the way we presented is, is, is dope. Like, we went up there. It was me, a couple ga- cats from the space program, Fresh, uh, BD Man, Carl Patterson, um, and myself. And essentially... We didn't even say anything. We just went up there. I rented some speakers out at from Guitar Center in New York, put them in the room. I had my turntables, and we just pressed play. We performed two of the tracks, and then we talked about them afterwards. But it's just a way of really just deconstructing and decolonizing these spaces and saying, like, hey, like we have a right to be here. Like, hip-hop got something to say. So it's pretty cool. Do you have any future plans besides that with the ODI, all the programs you just discussed? Oh, get done with school. That's that's the biggest you know, school. Got you. Yeah, I've been I've been going since two thousand seven. Like I'm ready to be done. I hear that. I'm, man. I'm married. Been married for three years. I got a, a one year old who's going on thirty one. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. So I'm just ready to be done with school, man. Just see what the possibilities are after that. I really enjoy UCO is a very unique, um, beautiful place that's really helped me to grow and develop. But I, mean, I just want to be done. Just want I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be quite honest, man. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of tired of school. You <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that, man. You're right. almost done. Yeah, You're complete for sure. So before you get out of here, I'd like to ask, what is your favorite quote? Oh man. Um, or favorite rap verse. You don't have to quote to say the whole rap verse, but just like I'm gonna I'm say something. I'm gonna do both. So, okay, okay. Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine and ten. I'll give you a short version. Uh, it says, "For when I'm weak, then I'm strong." Um, I've been living by that for forever. Um, a lot of people. They, they see you and they like, oh man, you're successful, but they really don't understand the day-to-day struggles that we as black men have. And I'm very open and honest about, you know, the struggles that I've had, going to counseling, seeking help, um, talking about those those issues that really affect, you know, my psyche of waking up and really trying to be a positive light uh, to, to, to others. And so, you know, every time I'm weak, I understand that like God is strong and He provides, you know, those those essential things that I need to to get through the day. And uh, so that's that's my quote. Uh, my rap quote is actually off. I'm gonna plug myself. The space program. Um, Link in the description. <laughs> <laughs> um, Curriculum of the mind is probably my favorite track on on the album. And uh, Fresh um, has this dope. It just says, uh, it's just a curriculum of the mind conflicted within the prison and its design. They teach a nigga sense to give him time. And so it's just like, as black men, like, 
been struggling with our mindset of just trying to just trying to be successful. Um, we, we see this, you know, mass incarceration, and we see you know individuals being killed, and we just we're we're learning how to move through these spaces of and creating this curriculum. All so, people are telling you that does, like the oppression doesn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. So um, yeah, that's that's one of the dope. Next time you got something big coming up, come back on here and we'll hype it up for you. I got you. Man. We are your voice to get <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. But we'll be back soon with some more positive news. Till then, we're out. Stay positive.